2: We're all familiar with spring cleaning, but what about spring hoof keeping? We connect with Alicia Harlov, a farrier herself and host of the Humble Hoof podcast on how to keep your horse's hooves happy and healthy between seasonal changes. With the Thoroughbred Makeover contestants starting to begin their retraining journeys with their horses, we are excited to bring you another class of Making the Makeover participants. Today, we will introduce our first two contestants, Melissa Maitzen and Adriana Nanini, and get a glimpse into their hopes for this year's makeover. Last but never least, we are joined by Winnie morgan Nemoth from New Vocations to bring us another adoptable horse. Stay tuned.
3: And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse.
1: This is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan. And this is Kristen Kovach-Bentley in Jamestown, New York, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Joy, have you been riding a bunch? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you could call it that, (laughs) you know, riding adjacent. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yes, yes. I I have been riding a lot more with the weather changes. It's been super nice to go into our outdoor arena. Um, It's much more friendly to my horse, who is not the most balanced creature. So to have a bigger space has been really lovely to work in. But um, I don't know if she's as excited to have consistent work (laughs) as I am. (laughs) Yeah, she was in that winter model. She was. She's like really into the winter cuddles. She's never really wanted to leave cuffing season as far as her attachment to me. But um, when the work started setting in, like the first ride we had, I shouldn't say that. Like we've been riding a little bit through the winter, but it was mostly ground stuff with maybe one day of riding in the indoor. And now I'm starting to up that to about three days a week. So still not terribly heavy. There's still break days, but... What, what a drastic change to my horse, if you ask. Her. <laughs> <laughs> so the first day was like this really nice ride. She just was really coming together. We tried a couple different techniques that I've been reading about. So like riding with one, I don't want to say riding with one rein, but just queuing with one rein at a time for a horse who's a little more sensitive as opposed to like, I kind of do it all for nothing. Like we're either like slowing down, I don't pull, but just Increase the contact in both hands, or decrease in both. And she's a horse who wants to know you're there, but also doesn't want to be told what to do. Right. So I tried a one hand approach, and she really enjoyed it. So we like had a great ride, kind of choppy canter, but for someone who's out of shape, I was happy with how relaxed she was, and we even played with some extension and collection. It was it was a really nice ride. I'm like, yes, super hopeful. Then the next ride was. Um, well, I think in your terms, Kristen, you would call it a little Western. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So she started out very feisty. She It was warm too. It was like when we hit that weird 80 degree weather and she was just like, I want to sleep. I don't want to be bothered. And I was like, we're just going to keep it easy. We're going to do like 20 minutes. I was planning on doing more like walk, trot and like getting her to move off my legs. That's our sticky place. She really likes to hang on to my inside leg a little too much. So I'm like, let's just play with some lateral and keep it simple because it's hot out. She was not having it, Kristen. We had head tossing. <laughs> we were running around like a giraffe. We made weird witty sounds, like she would, like suck up air and like can't even repeat it. Like it's oh. just so strange. We were vocal about not wanting this, and she's not sore. Like I'm very she's just opinionated. Yeah, she was not having it. <laughs> she was. She wanted to go to her pasture and be cuddled. Like that's all she wanted. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, this is fine. So like, I just took deep breaths. I don't get frustrated with her. I just kind of like let her have it out. And we focused on one thing at a time, like just move off my leg. And so when she take one step off, everything was chill. I gave her full breaks. And I thought like that would help until I asked for a relaxed trot. And that's when it all went downhill. <laughs> It was not relaxed, Kristen. It was anything but relaxed. We let out a loud squeal. And then we let like, they're not quite like crow hops or bucks. They're like bunny hopping. Oh, yeah, like the rocking horse thing? Yeah, she just, like, bounces herself on all fours down the rail (laughs) and shakes her head very aggressively. And I'm like, okay, well, good news is I have the legs of a koala and I cannot be removed. So... We stayed on. That went well. And then she just refused to trot at all. But she did want to canter. She was very adamant that she is here for cantering. So it's like, fine, have a canter. It was a beautiful, beautiful, collected, round canter. It's like, wow, this is awesome. That's very controlled. Nothing was out of control until I stopped. And I was so happy. And I'm praising her. My bridle is half off her face. Yeah, there you go. have no idea how long it was like <laughs> that. So she is both a monster and a saint.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm, saint. I think you should just take it right off. Just you know, just take it off. Throw it. I have of the I have
2: ridden her without a bridle before, and she's fine. But um, not a canter, but you know, walk trot, just kind of playing around. But uh, yeah, when I saw that, I definitely had a moment. I was like, oh, I could have died, <laughs> but you didn't, and that's the important part. My horse is more responsive with the bridle <laughs> half off of her face. <laughs> the bridle, I think she was giving you a throwback on. to that Basel episode.
1: She was I like, give so. it a try,
2: Joy. No bit, no problem. I, I definitely felt like she's like a Jesus take the wheel type of ride that day. And it, it was wow. still very productive and had some beautiful moments despite yeah. Thanks,
1: all Jesus. the others. Jesus was yeah.
2: helping you out, I guess.
1: I guess so, because realistically, that should not have gone the way it did. <laughs> You know what? That's fine. When those things happen, you just like you laugh, you move on, and you're like, "That was awesome." Oh, for sure. And you know what? I just like, I heard you in the background. Just like add more leg, and that's
2: exactly just what I Just leg, and, and I was always
1: fine. always well. I shouldn't say that. Most of the time, it will get you out of trouble.
2: Yeah. So I will try to get some video the next one to put on social. And oh, heck yeah. I'm hoping she doesn't do her bunny hops because that's not super fun for me. But uh, if anything else great comes out of it, I would love to show it. Or, you know, content's content. You'll get whatever I I, call it, I guess. <laughs> but tell me what's going on in your world because I feel like you had a lot happening in a very short amount of time.
1: Oh, yeah. It's been one of those, like, horsey high and low weeks. Like, I did uh, a... Fairly extensive takeover of our social media on over the weekend, and people were super excited by that because I finally did a thing and roped a calf without the breakaway I on. I know! Even Zach watched it. He was really impressed. Well, it was funny because I snagged this calf. Well, okay, so here's the thing. I was roping, intending to rope the calf, like you know, by the head around the neck, like you normally would. And Mm -hmm. the calf was so fast. She ran through my loop. And by the time I pulled up to tighten, all I had were the back feet, which is like the super advanced, like, if you're really good at throwing a heel shot, you want to catch him by the back feet because then you can dally, which means Mm -hmm. wrap the rope around your horn and then drag the calf over to your ground crew, which sounds really rough, but is not nearly as rough as it sounds. You know, you just happen by Mm -hmm. the legs, just kind of haul them over, just like you would if you grabbed them by hand. So I was like, all right, great. I'm going to pretend I did this on purpose um, and then hollered to Eric. I was like, get it on video, which is why that <laughs> video looks like the Blair Witch Project because he was trying to oh my gosh. get his reins organized, pull his camera out. And then of course also keep the mom cow off of us. Cause she suddenly realized her baby was being whisked away by its hind feet and came kind of hauling out of left field to try to murder our ground man. So yeah, that's uh, the video. Uh, the video is gone now. It was in our archive, but um. It's pretty hysterical because it's Eric yelling, go faster, go Go faster, faster." go faster, (laughs) because this cow's like (laughs) coming in to, you know, try to stomp our uh, brother-in-law, Charles. So uh, fortunately, we got that calf out of the pasture, put a nice stout gate between uh, Charles and the mom, and then he got it tagged and gave it its vaccines and sent it back on his merry way. And that calf is doing great. So. Um, Love yeah, so that, that was really cool. I was like, I did it. I did it. This is all I've wanted, you know, all year was to productively rope a calf on purpose. I know that was like in our very first episode of the year, we talked about goals. So, you yeah. Did it. so yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then a jobber went, hold my beer. And, uh, I know a couple weeks ago I put also on our social media, like everybody send jingles to jobber. Cause he got his weird head lump biopsied. Um, yeah. and the vet called me back on Monday. So at the time I had been doing the ultimate responsible horse girl thing and leading two horses at once so i had to call the vet back because i had my hands full when she called yeah so be as safe (laughs) as you can in that situation (laughs) right be as safe as you can and lead two horses is really the moral of that story i can't judge as i do that yeah so i just turned the horses out in the big pasture called the vet back and she's like well good thing we biopsied that because it's actually a lymphoma Hmm. um which initially i was like oh Huh. And as I'm like leaning against the gate, like listening to the vet, I look and there's Jobber like walking on his hind legs trying to punch (laughs) Shorty in the face. And I was like, I hear you, but I'm not really sure this horse knows he's ill. (laughs) So the good news is Jobber, yeah, Jobber doesn't know that he has um, a cutaneous lymphoma. There's a much longer name for it. Uh, If anyone is super interested in getting all the details, I will happily share them. It is the most common kind of lymphoma, which in and of itself in horses is very rare. So go figure, Jobber was like, I'm gonna get the rare cancer. So got love Jobber. Um, yeah, way to go, Jobber. So so it is just like at the skin level and we have been referred to Ohio State University. So we'll be going to Ohio May 8th, uh, which will be after this episode comes out. So uh, you all listening to this, you can think of me driving to Ohio next Monday. And then, yeah, we'll consult with the vets there. So they're pretty hopeful that they'll be able to remove it. Um, they're going to do like a full body workup on him. Um, and if he doesn't have any other like, tumors anywhere else and they can get a good removal, then he has a pretty good, you know, prognosis. So, um, and- on average, it looks like I have been doing nothing but Googling this week. Um, on average it, and the vets confirm this, it looks like horses with cutaneous lymphoma, that get a good removal and a little chemo at the site can get like two to five years. And if it's a really good clean removal and they have nothing anywhere else, then it mm. can be completely cured. So, okay. Um, There's also a chance too, that they'll look at it and be like, we really can't remove this. It's a really awkward spot and we just come home and then we just enjoy the hell out of whatever time we have left. So, you know,
2: we'll see how it goes. (laughs) I am so sorry. Like the stress levels that you're in, like horses, they can be so stressful. I just really can't be, but I have fingers crossed and I I did my own little Dr. Google when you told me this initially, cause I'm like, (laughs) I, my stress levels are high. I need to know what's going on. And so, um, it was nice to see that there was, you know, some positive prognosis that could come out of it, depending obviously on his unique case. We'll know later, but it it was nice to know it wasn't a complete downhill and we we were going to have a very different episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like, Ooh. So yeah, listeners, if you were like, Oh, I'm going to go Google and learn more. Do not put in just lymphoma in horses because there's many kinds of lymphoma and you will get some awful. You're awful gonna, things you're gonna have You'll be like, oh my God, jobber. <laughs> yeah, there's other various kinds of lymphoma that's like six months or less. And usually what happens is most owners don't realize that you have that type of lymphoma until the horse starts to show external symptoms of like really going downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, so fortunately, so it's,
2: jobber feels like is, you caught it pretty early because jobber decided to have it right in the middle of his forehead. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. And actually that little lump has been there for years. So now I feel kind of stupid, of course, because it has been there for years, but it hasn't been growing. So I had been told by a vet early on, like, oh, that's probably a cyst. If it doesn't grow, don't mess with it. You know, because the more you poke Mm -hmm. at something like that, the angrier it gets. And then this winter, it was just like, I arise and started to (laughs) get bigger. And I was like, whoa, okay, we should get that looked at. So good thing we did. (laughs)
2: Positive because it's centralized and hopefully it comes out clean and we will have jobber and jobber content for quite some time.
1: Yes, yeah, one way or another. So <laughs> yes, yes. Oh <laughs> but yeah, I will goodness. try to keep everybody updated because, you know, as much as it may be bad news, you know, I know that Jopper's journey, like he's inspired a lot of people. So and I'm not shy yeah. about that. So I will just continue to keep everybody updated because even if it's kind of a bummer ending, you know, to this little chapter, like somebody will learn something from it. And if I can help, you know, anybody else, then oh. uh yeah, it will not be in vain. So That's a good spin on it, Kristen. We're going to hope for the best for sure. And
2: just like, as we consider every other horrible thing that our horses try to do to themselves on a regular basis, we always hope they keep away from the vet and keep themselves healthy, but that's not always the case. So sometimes the best thing we can do is ensure they have a healthy diet. And that also comes from getting them the right supplements. We are so lucky to be partnered with Kentucky Performance Products as our premier sponsor because they keep our horses happy and healthy. And honestly, give me a lot of relief. So we're going to hear a brief message from them.
0: This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com.
4: If you've ever had a horse with diarrhea, you know what a frustrating problem it can be. Finding an ingredient that works to dry up the diarrhea becomes a high priority. It turns out that researchers have found one, a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. It has been proven to improve and halt episodes of diarrhea. It supplies specific nutrients to the lining of the small and large intestines, and these nutrients promote healing of irritated tissues.
0: This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Joy,
1: we're super excited to have our next guest on. We have Alicia Harlov from The Humble Hoof, uh, which is a hoof service based in Massachusetts, as well as its own podcast. Alicia, welcome to the show.
5: Yeah, thank you for having me back.
1: Yeah. So you and I just recently chatted um, because you very generously did an awesome webinar for Retired Racehorse Project um, a couple of weeks ago on Thoroughbred Feet. Um, So we're excited to bring this subject to our listeners on Retired Racehorse Radio. So yeah, nice to chat again. How's spring treating you?
5: Uh, Pretty good. We actually didn't have much of a mud season this year, so I don't know what it's like in other areas, but Massachusetts has been pretty dry. So I, I like that, having my own property, not having to deal with the mud so much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That must be nice. We had a, a pretty warm spring or a, a warm winter rather in New York. So it was sort of nonstop mud season, which is unusual for us. Normally we have hard ground and that transitions into mud in the spring, but we sort of had mud all winter, which really sucked. not
2: Same for Michigan too. It was a very yeah. <laughs> bleak, wet winter, but then it got really dry really fast.
1: Yeah. So I feel like we were concerning. all on that same like Northern swath of not quite drought but definitely unseasonably dry yes. which of course presents some big challenges for feet in general for horse feet but you know in particular for you know our stereotypical thoroughbred feet which you know we all like to say are not great feet um but of course we know that through good care and nutrition and you know maintenance that they can become good feet so that's why we wanted to have Alicia on today to talk a little bit about that seasonal transition so when you're coming out of winter into, you know, let's say a typical muddy spring. What are some of the ways that we can help keep our horse's feet happy? Because of course that transition and moisture is a challenge.
2: I'd actually like to back up really quick, Kristen, like what are some of the challenges that might be
5: presented
2: that we could expect?
5: Coming into spring? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, like you were saying every year can be so different. Like this winter for us was really warm and we didn't have much of a mud season. And what I'm having more issues with right now are hooves that were kind of wet all winter. And now that it's more dry, it's almost mimicking summer where now we're, I'm, you know, with hooves that aren't as healthy, I'm getting more like chipping or delamination or flakiness as opposed to like what a normal wet season might be where like the soles are a little soft or the frogs might be softer or shedding more, or you have, you know, just, a a lack of, uh, it well, in the, a lot of the thoroughbreds that you see, like more traditional setting, a lack of that, like thicker wall. So typically in a mud season, yeah, it's hard. You can see hooves that are not as strong as they should be. And I'll talk about, you know, how well, that plays a role, but hooves that are not as strong as they should be might become more susceptible to the microbes in the mud, and get some thrush or get some white line separation. Their soles might soften a bit or their walls might soften or the outer protective wall in the inner wall might actually get some separation between the two, which is can become white line disease. So those are some things that you have to be careful of in a constant wet environment, which is kind of what we're used to this time of
1: year. Great. More things to keep us up at night. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, one thing that, you know, I think is interesting is that even if it's a dry seat, like we've had, you know, a little bit of a run of dry weather, but I'm transitioning my horses onto grass. And I traditionally do that like really conservatively. So we'll start with 15 minutes and just add 15 minutes a day. Um, I think I put this on our social media story, actually a couple of weeks ago. And there were some interesting responses to that. But one of the challenges with that is that if they're going from a dry, dry lot into dewy grass, then that's a really quick, like dry, wet turnaround. So what should I be looking out for with that?
5: Yeah. And I would say that there's even more than just the like wetness of the grass. There's also the, like how used to your, how it is like, how accustomed is your horse to the sugars and starches in the grass, which can be sky high this time of year. So the hook wall is made of these tubules and the density of those tubules can help determine how strong and impermeable that wall is to moisture. And I mean, I think there's some research into different breeds have like different tubule densities. Um, I do think that diet can play a large role in the strength of the hoof wall. And I know we've talked like ad nauseum about diet and mineral balancing. And I think that um, I don't want to like bore everybody with that again, but um, I would just do a quick plug that copper and zinc can be really helpful in helping grow out a stronger hoof wall. But, you know, for those walls that might not have the most dense tubules or might have a little bit of you know, might lack strength a little bit, the chronic wet, dry cycle of the hoof going between like wet dewy grass and then dry firm ground, or even just constant weather changes, it can cause issues with the strength of the hoof wall. So that's something that, you know, it takes a lot of preparation before you get there. You know, it takes nine months of hoof growth for the growth from the coronary band or about nine months. For that to hit the ground, which means if you're going to change the diet and add minerals to help protect against moisture as much as possible, it's going to take you, you know, you got to plan like a year in advance. Um, but that's something where those wet, dry cycles can wreak havoc on their feet. But at the same time, I do wonder how much of it is like, you know, correlation does, does not equal causation. So I do think there are thoroughbreds and I have blood work to prove it, that are more sensitive to sugars than we realize, you know, we don't think of thoroughbreds as insulin resistant. We don't think of them as metabolic because it is rare, but I do know a handful of thoroughbreds that I work on that do, when you test their insulin, they are higher than normal Mm -hmm. and they are more sensitive than we realize to the sugars in grass this time of year that are just sky high with the spring grass. So, you know, that transition, if you, take it a little bit more carefully and don't just like chuck your thoroughbred out in the big lush field because it looks so pretty. Um, I mean, for a lot of reasons, not just their feet, but you know, I think that, that, that can be playing a role even above and beyond just the moisture levels.
1: Mm, Okay. Yeah. So that, that makes me feel better about my super conservative, like grass loading plan, you know, because I've been thinking like, Oh, 15 minutes a day is kind of very cautious, you know, (laughs) but it's, yeah, see, there's a method behind my madness. So thanks for (laughs) justifying that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it's interesting, you know, we mentioned the breeds, um, you know, and I think just to drive home the point that like, you might not feel like you're making a lot of difference, like right off the bat, you know, when you're trying to rehab a foot, but like, I've spent so much time like hyper fixated on my two thoroughbreds feet that they're actually, I think now in better shape than my standard bred, which is really interesting because, you know, like we always hear like, oh, standard breads have got great feet. And I think they do generally, but I think I've almost, I don't want to say neglected because I don't want people coming after me for, you know, mm-hmm. neglecting my horse, but because I've put so much extra thought and care and prep into the thoroughbreds and they're on the copper and zinc. I've now started the standard bread because I had some issues with thin soles and abscessing on him this spring while the thoroughbreds are out like trotting over rocks, like nobody's business. So so that's just a plug for anybody who's thinking neural balancing really work? I think it does personally. So that's just my two cents to throw in there. So everybody get on that copper zinc.
5: No, I absolutely agree. And it's so funny because there are people that will just say, oh, you know, my horse is XYZ breed, like a thoroughbred, and say they just have bad feet. But I do think that, like you said, if we put a little extra care into, you know, how can we tweak their diet? Is there any other extra support we can give them internally? You know, the healthier the horse, the healthier the hooves, we can see really dramatic changes that can withstand a lot of the seasonal changes that might have caused issues in the past.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I'm one of the, I always say I'm one of the lucky ones, but like my thoroughbred has rock hard hooves. She has been barefoot since she came off the track and we've had very minimal issues, knock on wood, but we do have some thoroughbreds at our farm too. Like it was a very strange transition this year. We went from super wet to then really hard and dry. And a lot of them came in tender footed. Is there any way that we can provide relief or mitigate that issue for them?
5: Yeah, and I do think you know I've seen that as well. Even horses that have had you know fairly strong feet, Um, I think if they're just saturated and it's causing just more soft soles than they're used to, and then we get that sudden flash drive I mean, we had it here too. It's like suddenly it was almost like a desert environment out there. Yeah. You know, this isn't getting to the root cause. And I'm a huge proponent proponent of like finding the root cause of the issue, right? Like, do they need you know tweaking their diet? Do they need some blood work to see if anything's going on? Um, but that being said, I have been using hoof armor a lot more recently, um, or doing some extra support with boots and pads. Cause I am not one to believe that horses should just like tough it out and like walk over rocks if they're sore to firm up their soles. Like that's not my approach at all. But Hoof Armor is just a it's a Kevlar-based epoxy. The owners can apply it. It's fairly easy to do and it adds an instant callus layer. It typically lasts the length of a of a trim cycle or a shoeing cycle. So about you know four to six ish weeks, depending on how well it's applied. And you know obviously boots and pads are just an easy like thing to stick on if you have a barefoot horse that seems like it needs extra support just during certain times. Um, But I've definitely seen that too with the firmer ground. And I think that giving them that extra support can help them to just get over the hump of like the sudden change there while you're trying to tweak diet and see if there's anything that else that could be a trigger. And it could also be, like I said, you know, the grass is really high in sugar right now. And I think some are coming in more tender footed and people can blame it on the hard ground, but I think You know, there are some horses in that category where it's not actually the firm ground that's the root cause of the problem. It's like the sugar in the grass that's, you know, causing some hoof inflammation.
1: It's interesting that it always, you know, it always does come back to diet, like, you know, definitely environmental concerns, you know, with, with spring, but yeah, just like growing a better foot comes back to diet, like so does potentially hoof problems, so
5: Yeah. And I'm totally a broken regger when it comes to that. But it's so funny when I'm working on a horse that for years, like I have horses that I've worked on for like five plus years. And when owners finally get on to like really tightening up the diet, how much stronger those feet are, even in worse, quote unquote, worse conditions, like rockier trails or harder ground. And they're like, wow, I didn't realize that it actually made that much difference. So I feel like I, you know, I, I reiterate it all the time. But if I can make it sink in for that, like one person that needs it, I think it's worth it.
1: So we, uh, we touched on this a little bit in the webinar. You know, I think this was one of our sort of closing thoughts, um, for the RRP, but like developing a stronger foot is a long game. Like, you know, changing the diet today is not going to get you a better foot by next week. I like, it'll help, (laughs) but I think that's one thing that like, you know people who want to get serious about developing a stronger foot really do need to start now for next year, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: absolutely. and I know you had mentioned thin soles, and that's something too that sort of it can be a long game alongside that. you know Paige Poss is an anatomist, she's fantastic, and she's you know hypothesized that maybe it's more important to have a dense sole than a a thick sole because I've seen mm-hmm. horses with thick soles that are sore on hard ground, you know, but basically we're trying to get them to grow in an entirely new healthy hoof and a healthier lamina connection to better suspend their coffin bone, take pressure off that solar corium where the soul grows from. And once that new growth is below where the coffin bone is in the foot, a lot of times these horses have that like room to like a uh, room to breathe sort of to grow that healthier soul depth. Um, I always tell owners to not not stress about soul depth until there's one, like an entire new growth of like entire new hoof capsule grown in because it could take that long for that lamina connection to help that soul depth strengthen. Um So that's something we're like, that's another long game. And with thoroughbreds, I often use hoof armor for that entire time period as they're growing in that healthier connection. But yeah, it can definitely be a long game for that too.
2: I think we could easily compare it to like, especially being a a woman-dominated sport, we can definitely compare it to um, how we grow out our hair. I mean, I'm sure we all had our phases of like dyeing our hair, bleaching our hair, (laughs) it breaks off. And then you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And it takes a long time for our hair to get healthy again. I think it's the same thing with the hoof too. We can kind of sympathize with that and be a little more patient.
5: Yeah. And I'm one that's huge about taking pictures because you can really compare the health of your horse's foot through photos over time. And I have horses, like I said, that I've worked on for years and every year, if the owner keeps up with, you know, good diet, good movement, I see that foot continue to improve. So it's something where like, you know, I say, yeah, it takes about nine months for a whole new hoof capsule to grow in, but sometimes it can take two or three entire new hoof capsules until that foot's looking really nice. So, you know, again, like I want to keep them comfortable during that time and make sure that the owner's happy with how they're moving. The horse is happy with how it's moving, but you can't just expect instant results when this is like a living structure.
1: That actually gives me more hope because (laughs) like we've transitioned to being barefoot just because we were having issues. With keeping shoes on. And I really like how my horse's feet look now, but it makes me very hopeful that they'll look even better maybe a year from now if I can (laughs) stay up on all the maintenance and the the feeding and everything. So, yeah, that's cool.
5: And you know what's so funny is I feel like I've gotten a lot of cases because the horse couldn't keep shoes on, like the walls were just super shelly. And now some of those cases that had like the worst difficulty with holding shoes on have some of the best wall health just from like growing
1: in a healthier foot over time. Nice. That's good to know. So hopefully this gives everybody a little hope. Yeah, <laughs> so definitely. yeah. we've had a couple of listener questions that were submitted. and I know we've touched on this a few minutes ago, but I'm um, on Instagram from farmgirl 7812. She does want to know some other strategies to help with thin soles. So you know, you mentioned the hoof farmer, which I also use. and I've been a little lax this winter, but that stuff is great. We are not sponsored by Hoof Armor, but Hoof Armor, if you're listening and you're interested, give us a call. Um, that stuff's awesome. It is super easy to apply. I'll have to take a video of myself putting some on um, after our next trim. But um, so yeah, you mentioned Hoof Armor. I would definitely back that up. Not that you need, you know, my endorsement, but <laughs> you're the expert. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what else can folks do?
5: Yeah, I always say the biggest thing when it comes to soul depth is a better lamina connection. And so what are the ways we get a better lamina connection? It's good diet, which we already talked about and good movement. And again, like I said, it's not like forcing your horse to move over terrain they're sore on, but I like them to be like out moving, you know, the horses I have here on my property live out 24 seven and like, they're moving all the time. They're getting good circulation to their feet. And I just see their lamina connection becoming much healthier. I think just through that constant pressure and release of their corium and circulation to the hoof. Um, and I think that that over time, because the lamina connection is suspending that coffin bone in the foot and lifting it up to a higher position that can help them grow a much healthier sole depth. And for people that want kind of like instant sole depth, I mean, you know, quote unquote instant sole depth, you know, I do utilize uh glue on composite shoeing and even like pretty much any shoe package is going to have pads or some kind of support over the sole usually helps with growing. Soul depth fairly quickly. The only problem with that is often when it's done that way, once you, if you remove that package, a lot of times they'll exfoliate that soul off because it's sort of the soul that didn't exfoliate because it was covered, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Um, so it's not always like, like, yeah, you're gaining soul depth and that's great, but it's not always that healthy, live, permanent soul that's going to stick around once they're out of you know, if you take them out of shoes or, or gluons, but if, if it's something where, you know, I've had cases where I have a horse that's severely rotated and has laminated issues and just needs instant soul. Like it's very important, you know, mm-hmm. stick them in gluons. And usually within five weeks, they'll like double their sole depth or more. Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, We had another listener question on our Facebook page from Melissa, who wants to know, is there any way to get heel to grow out? And then what do I do while we're waiting for that heel to grow out?
5: Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think that it's kind of an interesting question because there's so many different ways you can come to it. So a lot of (laughs) times courses that don't quote unquote, don't grow heel. They actually do grow heel. It just grows forward. And because yes. it grows forward, when you look at it from the side, it looks like they have no heel. So, in those cases, um I'm so sorry for saying it again, but a lot of times the health of that wall that's crushing is because of a diet issue or a mineral imbalance. And once you get them on a better diet and, you know, a lot of times I'll work on um some trim techniques to bring those heels back and get them to um weight bear but not so much in a way that they're crushing forward, then those heels can actually stand up and and strengthen over time. And the heel, the the length of the heel obviously is shorter than the length of the toe. So it takes, you know, about half the time for you to see that full new heel grow in than it does for the toe um, in in a new hoof capsule growth. But a lot of times horses that crush their heels often have some pain somewhere higher up or some compensation from higher up You know, horses that crush their hind heels, I, you know, can see like SI issues or stifle issues or, or they're standing with their, their hind legs, like way under their belly And that's forcing all their weight on their heels where it really, it shouldn't be like they're compensating in a way because of something higher up. And that's where like a vet and a body worker can be super helpful to diagnose. Like, is there an issue higher up that body work might help or some kind of training program to help with strengthening their hind end to get them to just adjust their posture And sometimes it's, you know, I I don't like giving trim advice without seeing a horse, but sometimes a lot of it can be like if the toes are left a little long and x-rays are a great way to confirm this, then that's just like tipping their coffin bone, you know, back in that hoof capsule and putting excess strain on those heels too. And it can just be like a trim adjustment that's needed. But I think that, you know, without seeing an individual horse, You know, my super blanket statement is like get body work or a vet assessment to make sure there's not some bigger issue going on, you know, get x-rays to make sure that the trim is serving that horse well and make sure that the diet's on point.
1: And you can really chicken and egg that one a little bit too. Like, oh yeah, is the horse compensating because there's pain somewhere else? And then is there pain somewhere else because the feet aren't quite right? And if we kind of get, you know, obviously you want to get everything right all at the same time, which is a little bit of a moving target.
5: Right. (laughs) But and and something else that I I should have mentioned when it came to soul depth, because this this applies to heel height too, is like when it comes to soul depth, one Super basic thing that I assume everybody would know is like, don't trim the sole if you want more sole that but it kind of can be the same when it comes to heels. I do think that heels should be trimmed and balanced just like any other part of the hoof wall. But you know, if you're struggling with getting heel height and it's not that it's, you know, running forward, like maybe don't take the heels down so far every trim. And obviously I can't say to a specific case, like I, I am not seeing what, um, you know, the horse is what the foot's looking like, but, um, if it seems like it's not growing, is it because you're over trimming it? <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's so many different, you know, there's so many different ways to look at a case and and every case is so different.
2: I think yeah. too, like sometimes we get stuck with just, I don't want to say blindly listening to our farriers because we want to excel. Like in a perfect world, every farrier is awesome and is looking at the hoof individually, trying to create a different solution for each horse that helps that specific horse. We know that's not always the case. There are some people out there who like, this is how they've always done it. And they think it's a great job. So how can people feel confident to advocate or maybe like ask the right questions where it's not threatening your farrier, you're not telling your farrier how to do their job, but just wanting to address concerns?
5: Yeah. And I will say this is really hard, um, even for me, because a lot of times it it's hard not to take some questions personally about like, why does my horse's feet look like this? But I would say the best way to approach, you know, your farrier or hoof care provider is to ask genuine questions and just say, you know, I've noticed that my horse's heels look really low. Is that something that, you know, is, you know, what, what might be causing that? Or is this something that Can be fixed or not you know just asking open general questions and have a a dialogue i think the the minute that professionals shut down because i know that i have done it in the past too is if you like accuse your farrier of doing something without like having a conversation first or go on the offensive, it becomes more of a defensive, like, you know, your, the professional who's working on your horse might become more defensive, but if it's just an open conversation, it's easy to say, you know, what might be going on or ask for, you know, what your goals are as an owner for the horse's feet. And then you can talk about how to get there as opposed to say like, stop trimming my horse's heels. You know, like it's, it's, it is hard because, you know, our work is, is very personal. It's kind of like art. So, you know, we want to make sure that owners are educated. And also, I mean, if there's any farriers or hoof care providers listening, my big thing is just like tell the owner what you're doing and what you're seeing. Like if you're seeing the heels are low, tell the owner that so that they already know you're noticing it before they bring it to you. So I try really hard to tell my owners what I'm seeing in their horse's feet, what I want to improve and how I'm trying to improve it and why. So the more you communicate and the more you educate, there's, you know, it's just better to keep everybody on the same page.
1: That's a great question, Joy, because that can be a really hard conversation to have. And, you know, great advice, Alicia, to make it a conversation and not a, you know, why did you do this? (laughs) I've been in that position of having to have, you know, a difficult conversation with a farrier and it sucks. It's like breaking up with a boyfriend, but sometimes (laughs) you got to just do it.
5: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. And honestly, you know, there... Like like not every farrier is going to be uh, be a good match for every horse and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I'm not a perfect match for every horse and there's going to be people who have different ideologies and different methodologies and that's okay too. So I think there should never be any like shame in saying like, Hey, this, maybe we can, you know, try a different path and, and work with somebody else or, or me saying to someone, maybe you should work with somebody else that's going to better get you where you want to go. And that's okay. I mean, there's so many great professionals in the world. It's okay if you don't fit every single person, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, Alicia, we could easily sit down and do an entire series on feet with you. And that would be really fun. (laughs) Someday we'll make that happen. Um, Where can people go to find more information about your program and some of the stuff that you advocated for today?
5: Yeah. Um, well, I have my podcast, The Humble Hoof, which is available pretty much anywhere, I think. And thehumblehoof.com is my website, which has a lot of my other resources if those, you know, if people are interested in learning more about hoof health,
1: Wonderful. And if you guys are interested in viewing or listening to Alicia's webinar that we just did with the Retired Resource Project, you can find that at the rrp.org under the education library. And we'll also try to link to that in the show notes. Alicia, thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah,
5: thanks
0: Thank for having me. I'm here with Tony from Cashel. You all know it from the ads you hear all the time on this show. But I, we're at the trade show, and this is the p- point of time in the year where we find out what's new coming out. So what's Cashel have new coming out?
3: Oh, we've got a, a great lineup of uh, 32, 34 wool top pads. So uh, t- describe them. Uh, five different colors, real vibrant, bright sharp looking pads
0: what, are the, what makes them different
3: uh well it's the fill the 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 wool felt on the inside is a natural felt and the fleece on the bottom is a hundred percent merino oh really okay
0: so these are soft and squishy pads
3: well not real squishy but soft and and they do absorb shock and and saddle fit
0: what would they retail for What are those that's you know, about one
3: hundred and nineteen.
0: That's the right price, yeah. Anything else new with cash coming out?
3: Oh, we've got uh, more saddle pads coming in the fall, a uh, new strap line coming in the fall. It's uh, a two-tone that looks great with a, a great buckle set on it. There's, we're always in development, so there's so many things, projects in the works. What's still your most popular product? Is it still always the same things year after year? Uh, fly, you've got yeah. fly, fly That's protection what we all. Is that's it. how I knew you in the first place was fly. Fly masks. Yep. Yeah. Many years ago, uh, we were primarily fly masks and kind of had some tush cushions and a few odds and ends. Today, we've broadened that offering to saddle bags, uh, strap, head stalls, breast collars, bell boots, um, leg protection, and the, the it continues to grow. Is
0: there a place where somebody can go and see all the products?
3: Uh, com will give you a good offering. There you go. Well, thank you, Tony. It's been fun seeing you again. Hey, thank you. Good to see you.
1: Joy, it is finally that time of year again. It is time for us to welcome a brand new Making the Makeover class. And I have to say, I'm super excited. Like we had so much fun with this series last year, you know, following the same Mm -hmm. three trainers for an entire season. And, you know, fortunately they all made it to the makeover and like we were there with them for every step of the way and the highs and the lows and the tears and the joy, mostly joy, not a lot of tears. Um, Except August. August it's everything August was, was a t- stressful time. That well, was yeah, a stressful everybody. time for all of us. But yeah, know, I yeah. had a lot of secondhand anxiety for uh, yeah for our trainers. So, um, but I'm super excited. <laughs> We're kicking things off tonight. We have four fabulous trainers lined up for everybody to meet and cheer along this year. Uh, and today we have with us two of those four. We have Adriana Nanini and Melissa Meitzen. So, Adriana and Melissa, welcome to the show.
6: Thank you. It's great to be here.
1: So we're super excited to get to know a little bit more about you guys. Um, So I would love to know what is your background with thoroughbreds and off-track thoroughbreds and specifically the makeover because you're both makeover veterans. So Adriana, we'll start with you.
6: Yeah, so um, I did go to the makeover in 2021. I went to the mega makeover with a filly called Wicked Soprano. And I did the show jumping and eventing disciplines with her. And that was a fantastic experience. That was my first thoroughbred makeover experience. I got to go with a group of friends of mine from Dapper Ridge Eventing. Um, I think it was, was it five of us? No, it was four of us. And we weren't like an official team, but we did go and have like a a team team. Sort of team thing going, even though it wasn't official, like a support and, team, almost. Yeah, like a support yeah. team, exactly. And um, then, as far as my background goes, I run a small training and sales business here in Crozet, Virginia, called Tall Tale Equestrian, and I actually specialize in sourcing uh, thoroughbreds off the track and repurposing them in sport horse careers, and specifically in um, fox hunting, eventing, and dressage disciplines. Fun. So that's sort of a, a little fun. summary.
1: And Virginia is excellent hunting country. So I mm-hmm. bet you have a lot of fun down there. Yes, absolutely. Love that. Well, welcome back to the makeover, but welcome to Retired Resource Radio for the first time. Thank you. All right, Melissa, what is your thoroughbred background and makeover background? Um, so my
7: thoroughbred background, I grew up as a, a working student at a hunter jumper eventing barn and we would always kind of have one or two that came off the track for resales and being teeny tiny. They're like, Melissa, you're jockey sized. You're going to get on them. And I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> <This is fine. laughs> um, but kind of just fell in love with them with that. And I also competed at the mega makeover in the class of 2021 with my mayor start of action is everybody knows the secret. Um, if you're part of the makeover group, you know how weird she is. She's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> And competed with her in the barrel
1: racing and ended up third overall. Awesome. Yeah. And I do remember seeing your horse in the finale. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Well, yes. cool. Well,
5: welcome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> welcome to Retired Racehorse Radio. So mm-hmm. Melissa, I know you are bringing multiple horses to the makeover because I guess yeah. one is not enough for you. It's <laughs> not enough of a big week as it is. So tell us about your horses. You know, it's ironic because
7: I almost didn't even apply for this year because I was like, I can't find a horse and now I have two.
1: <laughs> it's funny how that happens.
7: <laughs> so um, I'll start with Boogie. Ballerina Boogie is a 2016 mare. Um, she raced for a short amount of time with Jade Farr, which is actually who I got secret through. And um, she retired, had a little bit of a rough landing from her previous contacts. I actually neglected her quite a bit and jade rescued her and then rehabbed her and they tried to breed her she ended up um losing the full very late in the pregnancy and so they sold her and she kind of sat and then jade got her back and i was like well i want her so i've had her uh probably since the beginning of the year i actually got her like two or three days before like the makeover application period closed and i was like okay well now i have to get all this done <laughs> um, and then Bo, my other one, his jockey club name is my Energis. Um, we're showing him as bodacious because everybody pronounces it wrong. And <laughs> he is also a 2016 and raced with Dallas Keene for most of his career. One, I want to say just shy of like $275,000 on oh, the wow. track. And then, um, he bowed in his last race In his racing connections, um, retired him. And paid for his rehab and then donated him to Remember Me Rescue in Burleson, Texas. So my boss actually adopted him to become a mounted patrol horse. And he was like, yep, nope, I'm not feeling this. (laughs) And so she'd asked me to work with him for a couple months. And we ended up adopting him from her to take him to makeover.
1: I love that. That's so cool. And one of our first broodmare contestants too for the new broodmare division. So that's yeah. super exciting to have that represented, and, you know, of course on the podcast but also just in general for the makeover. We're really excited to see how that division turns out. So, cool. Adriana, who are you bringing this year?
6: I am really excited to bring a Thoroughbred honey called Hoboken Jack. He is oh God, a, a 2019. Yeah, I know, isn't that funny? He's a 2019 Fourteen three hand honey. and they raced him as a 14 three like a honey? they actually did shockingly oh he had six starts and he actually hmm. won at belmont as a two-year-old like the which, belmont the big sandy they raced They, i just can't believe that anyone would think to to race such a. I i mean and i'm sure he, as a two-year-old he was even smaller He was clearly really
1: freaking fast.
6: (laughs) Clearly, clearly. And he is, he is a really cheeky little pony. I mean, he has so much attitude and character. And when I got him, he had actually just been gelded. And so he still has a little bit of that, like, sort of studdish quality, but not in a mean way, in like a, a funny, playful way. So he's really fun. Oh, my gosh. I
1: love that. And so you must not be particularly tall yourself if you're successfully getting a 14-3.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not that tall myself. I'm 5'6", I'm and I've always been like a kind of petite person. And I've also always wanted a pony, never had one. So now I have a thoroughbred honey.
1: <laughs> Good. You're living the dream. So there you go. Yes, I am five foot 10. So I would fall off of him immediately. So oh my I goodness. mean, <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm like, Oh, it's been so long since I've had a fourteen three.
2: three. I love them. And oh, you know what? He doesn't look
6: like a thoroughbred at all. He almost looks like a shrunken Budweiser Clydesdale because of the way he, his coloring is he's, he's a bay with a black like a bright bay with a black mane and tail and lots of chrome. He has four whites, three white stockings and a sock and a big white face. So he's like really unusual looking and people can't believe that he's a thoroughbred.
1: Oh my God. I am so excited to see photos and videos and eventually to meet him. And he, does he get like a Napoleon complex of everyone being like, Oh my my gosh.
6: Yes. He has a, he has major little man syndrome and I took him to his first little horse show last weekend and I couldn't go five feet without someone coming up to me saying, oh my gosh, it's a pony. He's so cute. (laughs) He appreciates that. Yes, he does. (laughs) He, he thinks he's hot stuff.
1: Oh boy. Oh, I'm so excited to see him. So what, um, but like I know it's early days, you know, it's only April now when we're recording, but do you have kind of a direction in mind for where you're taking him in terms of a discipline?
6: Yeah, I, I have a general direction. And of course this might change because it is early on, like you said, but um, he's a, I'm sort of thinking maybe dressage and eventing. And those are two of like my primary disciplines as a rider, but I took him cross country schooling for the first time last weekend. And he seemed to take to it really well. And he's a, a really nice mover with lots of suspension. So I think he could do the dressage as well. Um, so that's kind of the dure- direction that I'm thinking of at the moment.
1: I love it. Super cute. Melissa, how about you? What are you aiming for with your hair? Um, with boogie, my plan
7: is to do barrels with her. I've actually already got her start on the pattern and she's gone and done a couple of exhibitions. Bo, I have absolutely no idea. I'm just happy if we can trot for more than 6 steps at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's incredibly lazy. And I'm like, how did you win so much money
1: on the track? So, oh, that's I don't funny.
7: I don't I don't know with him yet.
1: <laughs> you have plenty of time, so he'll Yes, yes. He'll, maybe he'll tell you eventually. Love. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But we'll- yeah. I love it. Cool. I love it. Well, I'm going to ask the
2: hard question. So, if both gotten to know the horses that you're planning on taking. I'm going to start with you, Melissa. Where are some of the areas you think will be some of your biggest hurdles that you're anticipating with your horses if you're training?
7: They're both similar in a way that they're not necessarily like user friendly. Bo is very specific on how you ask him, when you ask him. He's not exactly the most forgiving. If I don't, you know, use my rein and leg at the exact Perfect moment. He's like, okay, well, you know, I'm just gonna do my own thing.
2: Um, oh, you should have joined our, our earlier chit chat in this episode. <laughs> that's exactly like my chestnut.
7: <laughs> well, he is chestnut. Both of them are. <laughs> oh, you are asking for it, then? <laughs> yes, there are wonder twins. They both have three socks on the same feet. They both have white on their face. Um, <laughs> oh, that's gonna be fun. That's yeah. Gonna be fun. And then Boogie just kind of getting her out. And used to being in new places once she's been somewhere a few times she's like oh, okay whatever but like we went to our local fair a couple weeks ago and she was like oh my gosh there are show cows I am terrified and I was like we have cows on three sides of us where we live and you try to go through the fence to eat them I don't know why the fancy cows are scary today but and then after walking past them about 40 times she's like okay yeah I don't care It's because they're so
1: (laughs) fluffy. I don't know why we have to fluff a show cow so much. Just let it be a cow. (laughs) 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 Looks like a totally different species. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I I don't even know how anyone introduces their horse to a cow. Because I think my horse would honestly stroke out. But she's a dressage horse. Like she's not trying to do the whole Western life. But uh, I I think those are interesting hurdles to come. And especially the... I'm curious to see how you're going to overcome coming to the Kentucky horse park, since that's not one that you can, I mean, you might make the multiple trips and to do it, but I'll be curious to see how you help her accommodate those anxieties. Um, Adriana, what about you? What have you noticed in your horse might be some of the more problematic areas?
6: Well, so the, the problematic areas, I guess one of them would be, One that I just discovered last week when I took him cross-country schooling for the first time is um, he really didn't understand how to jump a ditch. He didn't understand the question at all. Any other question that I posed to him, he was like, yep, I got it. No problem, including the water, banks, solid jumps, whatever but then the ditch, um, I actually had to dismount and try to lead him over the ditch. And finally he figured that out after putting his foot in it. And then I'm like, Oh my goodness, please don't do that ever again. And then I got back on and then he finally went over the ditch. So I I do think that's, that's not going to be a lingering problem. I think he'll figure that out pretty quickly, but then a more overarching, uh, Trend is that he likes to run laps in his paddock at night and he likes to oh. um yes he likes to run and uh actually just this evening he tried to jump out and oh, he hung himself over top <gasps> of the fence Oh, no. Oh. He's got a Napoleon yes. complex. He thinks he's a 17-hand he
2: jumper. Oh, dear. So
6: I taught him how to jump. And of course, we're jumping like little two-foot jumps. But he thinks, oh, <laughs> well, there's a five-foot fence. I'm going to go oh, ahead and so try ambitious. that one. He's very ambitious. Overly ambitious.
1: Oh, my gosh. Was <laughs> he just like completely just like stuck on top or like
6: momentarily until the fence oh board gosh. came down oh, and no. then oh. he, he had skinned both of his stifles. So he has oh. silver spray all over him. Luckily, I think that's all, that's all it was. And I actually watched it happen. It happened right in front of me. So thankfully oh, I cleaned it up immediately, but um, yeah, he's just a bit of a cheeky dude. So I think <laughs> trying to keep him from injuring himself will be my biggest challenge.
2: Uh, welcome to anyone in the horse
1: world, anytime. Ah. Oh. Well, Somehow it's like worse that he's 14, three and it's like, no, he's got, a pony. he's got the pony complex. Yeah. Oh dear. Absolutely. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a cheeky guy. I think that's the best word to describe him. Well, thank you both for answering my more stressful question. I'll ask the fun question next and I'll start with you, Adriana. What's the parts of your horse or personality or athletic ability that you're most excited about to start retraining them with?
6: I'm really excited about um well he has three quality gates but he has a phenomenal canter just mm. just amazing you could sit on it all day long it's naturally balanced it's naturally uphill he's built in such a way that he has a short back and he really wants to sit on his on his haunches naturally and so the shoulder just comes up and you can just sit there and Ride him either on the flat or to a fence, and he keeps the same tempo. And I think that that would lend itself to really any discipline. So that's that's what I'm really excited about, mostly.
1: Nice, yeah. It's nice when you don't have to try to train a canter. You know, you just have have one.
2: (laughs) Right, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Nice. All right. Well, I would envy. I just want to say envy that canter. By the way, like, do you want to come work on my
6: horse too, Adriana? Like, should drop her (laughs) off. It's so comfortable. Oh, my goodness. Yes. It's like riding a cloud.
2: Ah, oh, lovely. That's so nice to have because it doesn't always go that way. Sometimes you really have to work on training them to carry themselves. So yeah, it's nice that he already yeah. has that. Melissa, yes. what about your two wonder twins? What are you excited most about them?
7: Boogie naturally really wants to stay on her hip and drive from the hind end. So oh, lucky. Asked. and <laughs> Fantastic. Bo in general kind of. Like when he decides that, okay, I forgive you for not being a perfect human, like he has a lot of try. He may not necessarily understand that, like, oh, you're putting your leg on me here. You need me to move laterally. But he's like, well, leg means move away or do something. So I'm just going to try. And it may not be the right answer, but he, there's never been like a, well, no. Like he's kind of just like, okay,
1: well, I'm going to try this, even though I, I don't know. <laughs> I love that. That's like the perfect mm-hmm. gilding response of like, oh, I don't get it, but I'll give it a go. Yes. <laughs> I love that. What a fun mm-hmm. array of horses we already have.
2: I like, know. I can't <laughs> wait to follow. I just love that. Melissa's already got the Wonder Twins and then we have our Cheeky Pony. So it's like the names are already starting <laughs> to come out. <laughs> yes. <Yeah.
1: laughs> Um, So do you guys, are you um, like chronicling your journey for people on social media? Like, can listeners follow you? Melissa, I'll start with you.
7: Yeah. So Boogie actually has her own Facebook page, which I will probably end up converting to both of them because I don't want to keep up with two Facebook pages.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Make it it easier.
7: (laughs) But currently it is Ballerina Boogie 2023 RRP Former Broodmare. People can also follow my personal page, Melissa Miteson, and I sometimes occasionally post stuff there that I don't necessarily post on my, I guess, official Facebook page.
6: Cool.
1: All right. Adriana, where can people follow you?
6: I'm actually chronicling Hobo's journey to the makeover through a vlog series on YouTube. So you can find my channel by just searching for tall tale equestrian on YouTube and subscribing to get the latest episodes. So far I've posted two episodes and the third will be coming next week. And I'm going to um, hopefully keep up with it on a regular basis from now until October.
1: Nice. Oh, good. I so it. we can see his little sassy self in action. I know I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, this has been such a pleasure. It was so great meeting you both. And I can't wait to see how you do in the makeover and your journey to it. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to have the broodmare division this year, as well as our regularly scheduled programming at the makeover. Kristen, any closing thoughts from you? Because I'm just like, I'm already following everyone. So if I sound distracted, it's because I'm going in and like subscribing (laughs) to you YouTube. (laughs) I'm on it. I'm not a procrastinator.
1: Yeah. Well, I, like, I know I mentioned earlier, I'm like, oh, it was super exciting last year because all three of our trainers, they all made it to the makeover. And like, I also realized what uh, a rarity that was, you know, that people that are put in sort of the spotlight scenario, like make it all the way because we all know with green horses, um, especially thoroughbreds, I shouldn't say especially thoroughbreds, it just seems like they're a little more accident prone than other breeds so we all know this Uh, but you know with any green horse you know you set a big goal and sometimes you know life happens and horses happen and you don't reach that goal so regardless of how this journey ends up you are still here you're part of the making the makeover series and we will be here to cheer you on for the Mm -hmm. whole journey not just the makeover part so we're super excited to see where you guys go
6: thank you guys so much for having me on this podcast and I'm really excited to be a part of it so that I can uh, hopefully connect with the greater off the track thoroughbred community. Um, I, I love thoroughbred so much. I've always been a, a um, big thoroughbred super fan and I uh, will continue to do so in any way that I can shout from the rooftops how awesome they are as a breed. Yeah, it's
7: super exciting to be on here, especially since I've listened to the podcast since I don't know, I guess makeover when we went in twenty twenty one. So it's actually cool to finally it's finally cool to be like a part of it. Oh, I love
1: that. <laughs> that ma- that makes me so happy. Yeah, I had no idea. So no. yeah, thanks for listening and thank yeah, thanks you. for joining us. Yeah, yeah thank you both. Listen. <laughs> yeah, we're really excited to follow along with you guys, and we'll catch up with you again in a couple of episodes. Well, Joy, it is the Thoroughbred Lovers holiday coming up. It's almost Derby Day. And oh, by almost, no. I mean it's a couple weeks away, but when this episode drops, this is our last episode to drop before the Kentucky Derby. So it is time to get in our Derby picks and like commit. We're putting it now out into the world. It'll be on the podcast. So if our mm-hmm. horse wins, we can be like, aha, there was proof. There was proof
2: of it. Yes. I know. I'm excited for it. I was trying to get Zach to do a derby party, but it might be a party of one for me. So if anyone wants a virtual party with me, let me know. That might be fun. We should do that. We should do a little virtual party together. So it's not too late.
1: If we decide to throw that together, we'll put it out into the world. You'll know. You'll hear it first on Retired Racers Radio. (laughs) (laughs) So who's your derby
0: pick?
2: Uh, I have two that I'm leaning between, which... I know isn't the right thing to do, but I I like them both. So probably my first choice by a smidge is Practical Move. He is a Kentucky bred and I really like him because he's out of a Fleet Alex. Um, Mm. And I really like that horse. I don't really have any good rhyme or reason. It's just a gut vibe. I I think he's stunning. He's very interesting. Like I don't feel like he's a very traditional background, um, but he's done so well. And I like that he's in my... um, my big fancy book of race horses that I have. It's like, I just like to look at him and I'm like, Oh, I just love this horse. He just, I would like to have a horse that was by him at some point. I like his personality. And it's nice that this practical move has done really well too. He's definitely sitting. I think he's in number two spot that they're looking at as of now. I don't know much about his owner jockey or any of that, but Hey, that's Okay. We're just here for the fun, so he We're is here my, for the horses, man. Here We're for, for the, the horses, horses, but he definitely has a nice track record. And again, I like a fleet Alex. I think they just have nice work ethic. Those horses that come out of him, and um, I'm not a big fan of a, a bay horse all the time, but this time I'm rooting for one. And my second choice, this is more because of like my history of my dad and watching race horses, is at Tapet trice. And you always kind of have to pick a Pletcher horse somewhere in there. You know, they're always going to do well. So he is trained by Todd Pletcher. Really nice horse overall. I like the Tappet bloodlines. My dad's a big Tappet fan. Uh, he's out of Dunkirk, which you might not know much about him. I don't think he was super successful as a racehorse. Uh, but still, I'm a fan of Tappet. Unbridled Old Song. I like his bloodline, so I'm rooting for him too because of my history with my dad.
1: I love that. Yeah, and how normally about you? I'd be normally I'd be with you picking based on bloodlines, just because I'm like just super into bloodlines, and you, you can tell because every time Leander brings up a horse, I'm yes. like, oh,
2: you that are horse- the expert on the show. I'm here. I'm like the advocate. I'm like sitting here with my big my big mission for the show, but you really are the expert in like the racing bloodlines.
1: Well, it's just you know from sort of enough time working in the industry, I guess. But um, I am going for Derma Sotogake. And that is the Japanese horse. It's one of the Japanese horses. And I think it is high time that Japan comes and makes a statement. They have been like getting their foot in the door. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been showing up every year and they are coming and buying all of our best horses that for some reason we have decided are not fashionable enough to breed in the U S and that's a whole other, like I could step on that soapbox for a while mm-hmm. about like the fashionable lines for selling versus the lines that actually run and how they're not the same thing. And that's everything that's wrong with American racing and blah, 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 An blah, episode blah. to come. Regardless. <laughs> I think this horse could do it. So he's won a major race in Japan. He's won the UAE Derby in Dubai. Like, so the horse can hit the road. He can win on an international stage. And I think it is high time that Japan come and knock America down a peg about dirt racing. So- putting it out there in the world. Going to be very hopeful. Really hoping for a lot from this. It person. will be the next upset of the Kentucky Derby. It would be really freaking cool. So yes, we're going to hope for this. <laughs> so love it. we also polled our listeners and we had some responses uh, from Lee B. That's our girl, Lee. She likes two fills and I know nothing about that horse. I honestly looked at two fills too. He He's kind of cool. All I know is that that apostrophe in his name drives me crazy because I don't think it's correct, (laughs) but that's the English major in me being like, ah, so yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about two fills, but, uh, V Magliaro also on Instagram Mm -hmm. rooted for two fills. So clearly there is something to see about this horse and I need to look into him a little bit more. I mean,
2: I will say I'm a sucker because I believe he's a chestnut if I'm remembering Mm -hmm. correct. So I do do
1: like like a chestnut. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I mean, it just clicked on us. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's he's almost got like a flaxen mane and tail going on too. Yeah, okay, so he's a very It's fine. Very
2: cute horse. He's a horse I wouldn't mind if he showed up in my virtual barn someday.
1: Right, or your actual barn, or my that actual barn. That must be why hey. Lee, because you know what, he looks like Finn. That's why I bet Lee is uh rude yes. for him. Uh, <laughs> let's see, Andrew Vernatter on Instagram. I have to go with Forte in honor of my former racehorse who had that as a barn name. That is a great huh. name, Forte. He is also a Pletcher horse,
2: so there is a good chance he will do well.
1: Yeah. And he, I, he probably, I would not be surprised if he goes off as the major, like heavy favorite. So he won the breeders cup juvenile last fall. Mm -hmm. So he is probably like the logical pick on paper and KMR on Instagram agrees with you with tap it trice. So now I have said all of those out loud people you're committed. You are committed.
2: I know no, we shame on us, Kristen. We didn't do the Oaks. So maybe we'll do a post of who we think our Oaks picks will be.
1: Oh, we should. Yeah. Just just to put out there in the world. Yeah. And I yes. need to look into the Oaks more. I've only really been looking at the Derby field. I'm not a yes. I'm not a great race fan. I'm like a major stakes race fan. Like a I'm a post-race fan. I like to see what they're about to do after the racing there. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, you never know. We've had derby horses go on to the makeover. So it's Whitmore true. ran the Derby. My man Sam was at the makeover. He ran the Derby. So Who knows? You could be looking at, uh, you know, the 2025 makeover champion. Exactly. Exactly. But if
2: anything, another reason just to go to the makeover as a spectator, right? You might find a celebrity there.
1: So everyone's favorite three-day event is coming up. Land Rover Kentucky five-star. Are you going down, Joy? I'm trying to make it work, but I have a new job and they're being mean to me. (laughs) Well, for any of our listeners who are going, the Retired Racehorse Project, of course, has a full slate of thoroughbred-centered activities so that you can view Land Rover Kentucky through a racehorse lens. So some of those activities coming up, you can find all of this at therrp.org. I'll give you a quick preview now. On Thursday, April 27th, you can do the cross-country course walk with Elisa Wallace. I will warn you, she does the whole course. So come with your walking shoes because she does the whole thing start to finish. I think that's the only course walk where someone does every single fence. Uh, Friday, April 28th, we have a demo with Buck Davidson, who's on the RRP board. He'll be doing jumping exercises for stepping up to preliminary. uh, And that's going to feature four makeover graduates, which is super cool to see those horses moving on to the next level. Uh, Friday, April 28th, we are teaming up with our friends at New Vocations to present the RRP Masterclass with Sarah Kozumplik. Uh, that's kind of like one of those like crossover events, right? Like they advertise on TV where your two shows come together. So we're bringing RRP and that's New Vocations fun. together. going to be super fun. That's out there. Open Barn and Barbecue. Get your tickets if you haven't. I think they're selling very fast. And Saturday, April 29th, we'll have another demo picking prospects for eventing with Rosie Nipravnik. So she's going to go through um, some unstarted prospects from Secretariat Center and take a look at how she would analyze those for an eventing career. So some really cool educational opportunities and cool places to hang out with your fellow thoroughbred lovers. And of course, the RRP booth will also be there at booth 106 in the trade fair. So you can shop till you drop with all of our OTTB logo wear. You can also play the super raffle, get a free copy of Off-Track Thoroughbred magazine. And with every purchase or donation, you can get the Thoroughbreds of the Kentucky three-day poster, which this year features Boyd Martin and Neville Bardos, And those are all signed by Boyd. So lots of cool ways to make the most of your trip to the bluegrass. And of course, Keeneland is running too. So nonstop Thoroughbred action all week long. You can learn more at therrp.org.
2: Well, it is that time of the episode where we reach out to New Vocations, who brings us a fabulous training tip every time, and of course, an even more fabulous adoptable horse. And today we're joined by Winnie Morgan-Niemeth, who runs the standard bread side of things at New Vocations. Welcome back to the show.
8: Hi, happy to be here.
2: It's always great to have you, Winnie. And I know you had a very successful equine affair out in Columbus this week with lots of horses going up
8: for adoption. We did. We did. We partnered um, with the Right Horse organization along with quite a few other partners and took four adoptable standard reds and they were just all fantastic. We had a retired brood mare um, and then we had three geldings that had raced and recently retired and three of the four are adopted with the fourth one uh, pending. So it was awesome. a great weekend to get people exposed to standard reds and harness racing, and what New Vocations does, and just a great way to get them in front of a lot of people.
2: That's oh, so I love that. That's so exciting, and I know they're going to be they're going to have the right horse for sure. Not to make a pun on it, but <laughs> definitely New <laughs> right. Vocations is so good at <laughs> placing horses with the right people. And then speaking of adoptable horses, we'll jump into our adoptable horse of the week soon. But I know Kristen had a really great training question that I'm also curious about. So I'll pass it to her.
1: Yeah. And I think this can apply to thoroughbreds or actually any horse at all. So I know that working over ground poles can be a really good way to engage a horse's <laughs> top line. Um, but for a standard bred who has maybe never experienced anything like that before, what is a really good way to introduce that to them for the first time?
8: Well, what we like to do is walk them over the ground poles by hand before you ask them to do an saddle. They are very comfortable with somebody leading them. They are not always comfortable with puddles um, and seeing ground poles or things moving on the ground um, just because they've been driven most of their lives with blind bridles. And so a good thing is to lead them just with their halter and lead. Take your time let them see that you know kick the pole let them see it's there just because it's such a new thing for them to experience not going to take long i mean it sounds very easy sounds very, like that that should be nothing but it actually just gets them acclimated so then when you're on their back again you might want to start with riding them in a blinker hood we were having this this discussion this morning uh, cuz some of our trainers mm-hmm. had videoed one of our newly retired trotters who seems to be very hot in a blind bridle because he is more comfortable that way and gradually we'll start, we'll remove it, maybe put a shadow roll on, maybe put a blinker hood on him and then gradually take it off just just because he was so nervous at first looking around, seeing a rider. But anyways, again, that is another tool you might want to use, but gradually walking them over under saddle, letting them look at it, letting them smell it. Um, One of the biggest things I hear is that, you know, my standard bread won't walk through puddles. They've walked through lots of puddles, trust me. They just didn't know they were doing it. <laughs> they didn't see it. <laughs> that so makes it's so a much new sense world. Yeah. <laughs> for them. They're like, whoa, what is this? Um, and depending on how they're bred, trotter, pacer, trotters tend to be a little hotter. It might not go over as you might think with a like it would maybe with a quarter horse or a, you know, a stock horse breed that are like, okay, I'm gonna clunk over this. Um, and a lot of times they don't always pick up their feet, but you know what, they learn really fast. Um, and it won't take you long. I would say. You know, in a matter of five to ten minutes, you should have no problem going walking over ground poles.
1: Nice, that makes sense. I always like that approach where you chunk it down, you know, into like the logical small step. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yes,
8: yeah. Start just start small, and again, you know, like I said, people be like, "He won't walk through a puddle." I'm like, just trust me. Take their take their time because it's a whole new world for them in a whole new world, like seeing a rider on their back and seeing the whole world around them, they're not even used to seeing. And then, you know, you're asking them to do stuff that's so new and foreign. And now they have a rider, they got to balance that
1: too. So it's a lot to think of, but they pick it up real quick. That is a big transition. So kind of a related question. Do standard brides ever drive in an open bridle? They do.
8: Some do. Hmm. Used to be a question I would ask trainers often when they would uh, send them in my early years of doing this was, do they go in an open or blind bridle? Some certainly do go into open bridle, which makes it a little bit easier. Right. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes me feel um, kind of bad for Wes since I just got on him the first time and didn't really think about that. And he was like, oh, okay, I guess this is what we do now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news oh, is dear. they're
8: very adaptable and they're like, oh, okay. You know, some horses are like, oh, okay, this is what we're going to do. Sounds good to me. And some are like, whoa, like, you know, initial <laughs> shock. What are you doing up there? Um, and then they're fine. So it just depends on the horse, really. Nice.
1: So speaking of the horse, uh, tell us about the horse that you have sent us to feature today, who this is the most endearing, charming photo I've ever seen Up a new book <laughs> in I love oh. this animal. Oh, my gosh. He tell us about is. Smoky Joe's <laughs> Cafe, that name, too. Smoky Joe's Cafe
8: um, is a 2010 Gelding. He's 16 hands. He is pacing bread. However, I have been told and have seen that he has one of the prettiest trots under saddle, an extremely smooth horse to ride. An interesting fact about this guy is that he was bred, trained, and raced by the same owner. So he never exchanged hands. His entire racing career was bred and raised by the same person. And so she had All of his background, which was just super easy. He's had no issues. He retired just because he wasn't competitive any longer. He's had amazing care. He is going to be like a husband horse, very relaxed, but he could also be a show horse because he's so smooth. He could just, but his demeanor is just quiet. So he could really go and do just about anything. He's that horse that a lot of people are like, if you get a nice, quiet horse, contact me. Uh, He's this. He's been messed with and and loved on his whole life. And he knows it. And he is absolutely beautiful. But like I said, under saddle so far, he's just walked trot. He's thrown in some canter steps, has not paced at all. Doesn't seem to have any interest in doing that under saddle. He's so cute. And
2: I just love his eye. He takes everything in. I'm watching his video right now. And he takes everything in, but not in a way of it's, it's overshadowing his confidence. Like he just mm-hmm. kind of walks in and he's like, well, I'm not really sure about those polls, but I'm okay. This is fine. Like he just like right. takes it right. in.
1: Yes. Oh, what yeah. a gentleman. I'm actually, I would be surprised if this horse is still available by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. He he's might, might not too. guys.
2: I'm so sorry if that is the case,
1: but <laughs> this might be a blast from the past by the time this episode yes. comes. Yes. yes. Smokey who?
8: <laughs> yes. I know we had two great applicants apply, um, because I knew he was going to go online. Um, Actually, on Sunday. So there's a great chance he'll be gone, but we always have other nice ones. But he's pretty fancy. And it's just, again, very unique owner history on him to be owned only by one owner. So I love it.
1: I love him. Wonderful. Best of luck to whoever adopts him. Yes, he's got that like
3: hunter
2: type. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Chris. I was just going to say he's got a hunter type, but also I could see him going Western so easy, even though he is a little bit bigger than your typical Western horse. Um,
1: mm-hmm. right. I he's, that he's mine. It's fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <right>. big. <laughs> yes. But he could, he could go in so many directions and even how he's built, he's just got a nice confirmation where I could even see him doing some low level dressage and potentially even moving up
8: as he gets more comfortable in his body. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that video probably is maybe the fifth time he's been ridden mm-hmm. and not for long periods of time. So he's extremely green, but he's showing his potential really quickly. That's what, that's what we like
1: seeing. Love it. Love it. I was just going to mention that his adoption fee is only $2,000. So if he is still available at the time you're listening to this, get your application in because this little dude is not going to yes. last very long. Or if no. you're searching anyway, because they do go fast
2: at new vocations, especially horses like Smokey Joe's Cafe. So get your application in regardless, just have it ready to go. They will hold on to it. And you can always reach out to Winnie if you're looking for your next standard bread and she will help match you to the right one. We'd be happy to, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you, Winnie. Everyone, check out horseadoption.com. See all the beautiful horses there. If you have any questions, reach out to their staff. They are fabulous and will never lead you astray. And if anything, they enable me every single day to get
6: a horse <laughs> I probably don't <laughs> need, but want.
2: Thanks. So I
1: love it. Winnie. <laughs> thank you. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at horseradionetwork.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can find me on Instagram at The Horseback Writer and on Twitter at Kristen Kobach. My email is kbentley at rrp.org.
2: You can find me on Instagram at Miss FitMare and my email is joy at com. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company and our partners, New Vocations Adoption Program and the Retired Racehorse Project. Don't forget to check out the other shows on the Horse Radio Network, part of Equine Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and let's learn from every ride. And add more leg. Bye, guys.